So, the first reading is um, Jonah 1, and it can be found in the Church Bibles on page 878. And if you need one of the Church Bibles, you put your hand up and one of the stewards will bring a Church Bible to you. So, Jonah 1. Jonah flees from the Lord. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness have come up before me. But before Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tashish, he went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went abroad and sailed for Tashish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call, call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us, so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. These terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord, because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea calmer? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. The second reading is in Matthew, Matthew 12, verses 38 to 42. The sign of Jonah. 
Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign. But none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The people of Nineveh will stand up at judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repent at the preaching of Jonah, and now one greater than Jonah is here. The Queen of the South will rise at judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, and now one greater than Solomon is here. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray for Steve. Father God, we pray in the name of your Son, Jesus, and by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we thank you for Steve. We thank you for his preparation. And we thank you that he hears your word and he wants to share it with us. So we pray that this morning he will share it generously with us. We pray that you open our ears, our hearts, our spirits, and our minds so that what by we hear will be transformed and we will come closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you very much, Analia. I'm glad that you're reading because I like being prayed by you prayed for by you. <laughs> uh, and that's the, the third non-British accent that we've heard today. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, this is a sign of what God is doing. He, he's bringing his family together. And uh, it's very relevant to the book of Jonah, because the book of Jonah is all about God's message going to people who are different to you. We're going to be looking at this over the next four weeks. Uh, in some ways, you probably all know about Jonah from Sunday school, if you went to Sunday school, or even school assemblies. Uh, in some ways, it's like one big long Jewish joke, and it would be best told by someone like Michael McIntyre. Because, you know, here's the story of this so-called prophet of God, who when he hears God's voice, goes in the opposite direction, he gets thrown overboard, he gets eaten by a, sh uh, swallowed up by a fish, he gets spewed out, uh, on the shore of the land he didn't want to go to and covered in fish slime, he goes to preach to a massive city, everyone repents, and the prophet is really disappointed. <laughs> That's it. That's the story. So we're going to be just thinking about this first chapter today, and we're going to be thinking about three different scenes in the chapter. This is a, a map of the region, just to give you an idea. Uh, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Uh, now, most of the prophetic books begin like that. The word of the Lord comes to the prophet. Generally, the word of the Lord is a word that the prophet will then proclaim to people. But in Jonah's case, the word is for Jonah. And I have to say, as a preacher, it is far easier when God gives you a word for other people than for yourself. And Jonah certainly found that. And uh, in terms of his reaction, he decided to... Uh, Run from the word of the Lord and run from Nineveh. So here on the map, you see that Nineveh is in modern-day Iraq. That's where he was meant to go. He went down to Joppa, 
And instead of going 550 miles north by land, he went about, he set off to go two and a half thousand miles west by sea. Now, there are many reasons why Jonah might have decided that going to Nineveh was not a good idea. He was carving out a nice little role for himself in Israel as a prophet, speaking to the king. You can read about his only appearance in the Old Testament other than the book of Jonah in 2 Kings chapter 14. And he prophesies good things for his friends and bad things for, for his enemies. And that's a nice little life to have as a prophet. So going to the Ninevites was not quite what he had in mind. The Ninevites, in Jonah's opinion, deserved God's judgment. This was a a nation that had extorted tribute from his country for many years. And in 722 BC, they invaded and destroyed Samaria. And besides, they were pretty terrifying people. Now, you may not know much about Nineveh, but if I say the name Mosul, you probably will know what I'm talking about in Iraq, because quite a big place in the conflict in Iraq over the years. And um, Nineveh was actually one, Mosul uh, is on both sides of the River Tigris, Nineveh was just one side of the River Tigris. And in 2018, when a lot of the artifacts in um, Mosul were being destroyed, uh, there was an exhibition put on by the British Museum, uh, which gave an insight into this culture. And this is a review by Jonathan Jones in The Guardian of um, of that exhibition. He says this, You have to hand it to the ancient Assyrians. They were honest. Their artistic propaganda relishes every detail of torture, massacre, battlefield executions, and human displacement that made Assyria the dominant power of the Middle East from about 900 to 612 BC. Assyrian art contains some of the most appalling images ever created. In one scene, tongues are being ripped from the mouths of prisoners. They will mute their screams when, in the next stage of their torture, they are flayed alive. In another relief, a surrendering general is about to be beheaded, and in a third, prisoners have to grind their father's bones before being executed in the streets of Nineveh. So, as far as uh, (coughs) Jonah was concerned, there were plenty of reasons not to go to Nineveh. Uh, And so he set out instead to Tarshish. Tarshish, um, near Gibraltar, south of Spain. When you read about Tarshish in the Bible, Tarshish is clearly seen as a very exotic place, a a port with a great fleet. Let me just quote to you from 2 Kings 9. The king's ships went to Tarshish with the servants of Haram. Once every three years, The ships of Tarshish used to come bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and peacocks. An exotic place. So that was the place to which Jonah set off. Now, you may be familiar with this. There are two ways to say no to God. One is to go off to a place of pleasure. You see that in the, the story of the prodigal son. 
prodigal son gets up and he goes away to a far country and he spends all his money on prostitutes and wild living. The other is to stay at home and seemingly do the right thing, but just actually not really obey what God is saying. And that is exemplified in the older brother in the story of the prodigal son. The older brother stays at home. He, on the surface, is a faithful, obedient son, but actually he's not. And the story ends with the father pleading with him to come over the threshold and join the party, and he refuses. And he shows that in his heart, he is as far away from his father as the prodigal son who went to his Tarshish. Now, uh, if you look at my life story, I have not very often gone to Tarshish. But I do know what it's like to stay at home and seemingly do the right thing, but actually not to respond to the word of the Lord. Now, your story may be different. Maybe you've gone off to Tarshish. Maybe you've gone to that exotic place of pleasure. And you're on your way back. But the important thing is that when the word of the Lord comes to us, we have a decision to make. And that decision tells us what we really think of the Lord. I say what we really think of the Lord. It uh, just made me uh, chuckle before. You know, we were singing that song. We stand and lift up our hands. We stand and lift up our hands. I saw about three people with their hands in the air. And our faith can be like that. We, we, we make these declarations, but actually, we don't do it. And that tells us and tells other people what we really believe. And here is Jonah, who seems to feel and believe that God's word is um, very fallible, that Jonah knows best. He has what you might call selective obedience. Does that sound familiar? Selective obedience. So that's our first scene, responding to the word of the Lord. How we respond tells us what we really believe. Let's move on to the second scene. Reacting to the storm. So, um, the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone down below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. So, storms come our way. Storms come our way all the time. And in fact, it is true to say that whenever there is disobedience, there is some kind of turbulence that follows. Now, the Bible doesn't teach karma. It doesn't say... If you do X, which is wrong, then Y, which is a disaster, will happen to you. And we know from human experience, that is often not how it works. But often what happens is when I do X, which is in 
which is contrary to the word of the Lord, why happens to some other people? Circumstances develop which are which mean that other people pay the price. This was a case here, that these sailors, who were really innocent, were the innocent collateral of Jonah's disobedience. And that happens in families, it happens in companies, it happens in society, where often weaker and more vulnerable people just pick up the trail of disaster that is caused by different people's disobedience. And there are two ways to react. First, we can pray. And the people who pray are actually the sailors. These pagan sailors cry out to their gods. It's their reflex reaction to the situation. The other reaction is illustrated by Jonah, who is asleep. Now, how do you respond when the storms come? That there are times, I can say that there are times when the storms come and I, I, I rally myself and say, right, come on. We've got to face into this with prayer and faith. And there are other times when I go below deck and find a nice dark place where I can shut it all out and go to sleep. I can see a few nods. I can see you do as well. And we do that with all sorts of ways, don't we? Some, sometimes it's just in excessive business. Sometimes it's the box sets. Sometimes it's the booze. Whatever it is, there are ways we find to go below decks and sleep through the storm. But the action of faith is actually to face into the storm and to pray. And so this is the first of a number of occasions in this story of Jonah where these, the pagans prove themselves to be more godly than the so-called godly prophet. When I was at uh, university, I had a friend called Philip, and uh, shortly after we were ordained, he, he uh, went forward for the ministry. He thought God was calling him to the ministry. Well, he was very wet behind the ears, and not surprisingly, he was not recommended. His reaction? I'm not going to church anymore. Now that sounds incredibly immature, doesn't it? And petty, and it was. But, you know, I come across many people who say things like this. I can't believe in a God who lets children starve because I'm morally superior to that God who lets storms happen. I lost my faith when I lost my job because I deserve better than that. I didn't stop believing in God, but I couldn't forgive him because surely God is there to meet my needs. Why has God allowed this to happen to me? Because I'm actually the most important person on the planet. And so how we respond in the storm says something about what we really believe. Think of the contrast with Jesus. When the storm was brewing and he was in Gethsemane facing imminent torture and death, his response was to pray 
through the night. So that's the second scene, how we respond in the storm. The third scene is about representing God. Jonah was called to represent the Lord to the pagans. Let's just pick up the story from verse 7. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who's responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who's responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? Where is your country? From what people are you? And I imagine Jonah in this next bit sort of gathering up his uh, prophetic robes, standing tall and looking down his nose at the sailors as he declares, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, not your poxy little gods of uh, local places and one element or another. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they said, what have you done? He can't see it. He's the one who worships the God who made the earth and the sea, and he has the audacity to disobey God and to get on a boat. Idiot. He's the last person who can see what's going on in his life. And yet, in a strange way, he is inadequately representing God. And uh, it's quite interesting that uh, as, a as a response, uh, they end up actually being converted. You notice in your Bibles, if you were following it in the Bibles or on the screen, the word uh, for Lord is in capital letters because that means Yahweh. That's the God of Israel, the one true God. That, that's, the, that's the God they turn to in the end. Jonah is an inadequate representative of God. There are times when uh, the speedometer goes above a certain point where I feel obliged to remove my dog collar. And um, maybe you find yourself in situations like that. You see, we're, we're always representing the Lord, aren't we? We just may not represent him very well. And uh, people are always watching whether our performance is good or bad. And we have these, these times when you know, there we are, we are the representative of God. And um, we can mess up so much, but God is gracious. That's, the, that's really the message of Jonah. God is gracious, and even though Jonah's witness was so inadequate, God still got through to the sailors. I, I often think of uh, an incident when I did my first preaching trip to Nigeria, and I was... Um, I was the big speaker from America, from America, <laughs> visions of grandeur. I, I was the big speaker from, from uh, UK, and there was a lot of respect for British missionaries in that area because the church had been planted by the Church Mission Society. And um, one of the clergy was very keen that I should go with him to visit his 
village and to be a guest at his home. And I was very keen to do that. And we drove out into this very rural area, uh, into um, a village. All the houses were just mud huts. It was a very poor area. And um, I guess, really, I, I was just there as a kind of tourist. And we got to the wall just outside the village, and there was an old lady seated. And he said to me, before we go in, um, we'd just like you to pray for this lady to be healed. The whole village gathered around to watch the white man pray. And in that instant, I realized that I was not the great man of faith. Their faith was great. Mine was small. I prayed for a hand. Just wanted to go. It doesn't always work that way. And, and I think, just as I've been reflecting on, on this, I, I just want to say, you know, this is, this is about facing up to who we are, facing up to what we really believe. But you don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay there. Uh, and I think of another occasion here at, at St. Nick's where I came in on a, on a, on a Thursday and uh, I, I, in a, being in a different place, and there was a man who couldn't speak and not been able to speak for a fortnight. And I, I just felt a conviction to pray for him, pray for him in Jesus' name. And he started speaking there and then. His voice came back. You don't have to stay in the same place. But, but there are these times when who you are just becomes clear. And your faith becomes clear. So Jonah is an inadequate representative of the Lord. But he is also... An inadvertent representative of the Lord. So he, they say to him, what have you done? And uh, the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. He was an inadvertent representative of the Lord because he was pointing inadvertently to the one who is greater than Jonah that we read about in Matthew. He was actually enacting a deep truth about who God is. That God is the one who actually is moved when we go through the storms. He's a God of compassion. He is a God who sacrifices himself for us and that's why this becomes the sign of Jonah, that Jesus sacrificed himself for us and was three days and three nights in the tomb as Jonah was three nights in the fish and Jesus was resurrected. So he is an inadvertent representative of the Lord. You know that I'm a great fan of Dietrich Bonhoeffer and uh, this is one of uh, his most memorable sayings. He says this, only the believers obey and only the obedient believe. It is a profound truth. Only believers obey. Our obedience demonstrates our faith that we believe. And only the obedient really believe. If I were to say to you, uh, let's meet up for coffee next week, um, 
2.30 at Luderati across the road on Wednesday. Well, if you believe me, you'd turn up, wouldn't you? And so we demonstrate what we really believe by what we do. It's not by what we say. And the great thing is that our faith can grow through obedience. So it's not just saying, oh, right, okay, you put your finger on it, didn't you? I'm, I'm, I'm not really, my faith is really very poor because I clearly don't obey, I don't act it out. But the good news is that faith grows through obedience. And there have been periods in my life when my faith has, has been in the doldrums, and I have, I've learned that I can say to the Lord, tell me one thing you want me to do, and I will do it. And it may just be very simple, like, go and talk to that person. Go and visit so-and-so. And when you do it, it's like the life starts to flow again. You start to hear his voice again. Your faith goes on an upward spiral because it is the obey, obedient who believe and it's believers who obey. So just as we um, bring things to a close, I, I really want to encourage you today to believe. I want to encourage you today to put your faith in the true God, the God that these sailors actually turned to, and to believe, and to believe and Act, because believing and acting are the same thing. So, here are a few things. We've been thinking about Jonah's call. The, Lord, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. He, was, he had a call to do something. And I, I guess, you know, in a crowd this size, there'll be some, some of us who are sitting with a call from God. So God has been telling us about something. We know in our hearts what he's been saying. And it's the those who believe obey. So I want to encourage you to obey because, as it says in, two, in, in 1 Thessalonians, the one who calls you is faithful. This is the God we believe in. God who is faithful so he, as he calls you, he goes on to say, and he will do it. Take the step. Act in faith. And he will do it. Secondly, we've been thinking about uh, what it's like to go through the storm. And maybe you're in a storm at the moment. And maybe your, your temptation is to try and find a nice place below decks where you can just deaden everything and go to sleep and the Lord's calling you to walk with faith through the storm. When you pass through the waters, he says in Isaiah, I will be with you. I'll be with you. Thirdly, we've been thinking about representing God. And uh, we, we all represent the one we believe in, whether we Represent him well or not. And some of us will be going into situations this week, maybe with family or, or work or with neighbors, 
And we are his representatives. And, and that terrifies you. And that makes you think, you know, I'm just such an inadequate representative. Well, be encouraged because you can't be more inadequate than Jonah. And these words of Jesus are things to take with us. As he was commissioning his disciples, he says, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given to you at the time, for it's not you speaking about the Holy Spirit. The Lord will give you what you need. Don't be afraid to be his representative. And finally, and I think probably most importantly, because this is the sign that, uh, sorry, this is the, the, the reality of which jo the story of Jonah is a sign. That God is a God who sacrifices himself for us. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? When I was uh, leading uh, some youth decades ago, um, I did this little illustration with them. I, I drew a football pitch, and I said, okay, so let's just think about where, we are, where we're up to with God. Some of us will be on the field, and we're stuck into the game. Some of us will be on the bench, and some of us are in the, in, in the changing rooms, and some of us are in the stands just watching. Where are you? And there's one boy, um, he's a lov lovely lad, actually, and um, this is just a, another story of my ministerial failure. But, uh, um, and, he, and he said, mm, I think I'm in the stands. And um, I wasn't very wise in how I handled that. Because what I should have said, well, you're in the stands, but where do you want to be? And he was at a critical point in his life, in his teenage years, and he just concluded, well, that's me. I'm in the stands. What's the point of being in the stands? I may as well not be in the ground at all. And, you know, as I've been talking, you, you may be thinking, yeah, yes, you know, the reality is that, you know, I, I'm a pretty disobedient Christian. I, so, therefore, if I'm not obeying, you know, what do I really believe about God? But I want to ask you today, where do you want to be? Because it's not about you, ultimately. It's about who God is. That's why we're ending with all these scriptures. It's about who God is. This is the truth. This is God revealed to us over history, through scripture, and through Jesus. And I want to encourage you, put your faith in him. Let that faith turn to action. Let's be obedient believers. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your kindness and graciousness, which is so evident in the story of Jonah. Thank you that even through someone who was so inadequate, you averted disaster for that great city. And uh, we just want to be honest before you, Lord. You, you know what we are. You know better than we do. But we turn to you. And today, we're here today because we choose to put our trust in you. We choose 
to obey you. So give us courage, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.